Well, today is the first day of 2016. It's fitting that we gather as a people of God to praise him, thank him for all the blessings of the previous year, and to ask for his continued presence and sanctifying work in our lives as we press forward, seeking to accomplish the mission trusted to us by our Master Jesus. Please turn with me in your Bibles to Psalm 1. As we study this poem, I pray that he will reveal himself and that we will respond with hearts that treasure him above all else. Psalm 1 reads, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. The wicked are not so, but are like chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. Allow me to give you the primary truth from this text. The main idea is that humankind is divided into two absolute categories, the righteous and the wicked. We see this in verse 6. The summary statement, for the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. So there's the two of them juxtaposed, the righteous and the wicked. So all of humanity is divided into these two categories. There is no third category. God is revealing that there are only two types of people. There are those that trust and follow God. And those that do not trust and follow him. There are those who love and treasure Jesus. And there are those that do not love and treasure him. There are members of God's kingdom. And those who refuse to joyfully submit and to bow down to King Jesus. So we're seeing here that humankind is divided into two absolute categories. The righteous and the wicked. And as we study Psalm 1 today, on this first day of 2016, we're going to see the characteristics of the righteous and then the characteristics of the wicked. Now, you might be thinking to yourself, Pastor, today's New Year's Day. I was up really late last night and I managed to get out of bed and come here and I'm here at church and I'm listening to a simplistic sermon telling me what I already know. There are believers in Jesus and then there are unbelievers. I could have just stayed in bed. Well, not so fast. As we begin this new year, we need to stop and evaluate. We all need to consider exactly how we have been following Jesus. And through Psalm 1, God has revealed what our lives should look like as disciples of Jesus. This text here is truly food for our souls. In addition, Psalm 1 is a reminder that many people are living in darkness by seeing the characteristics of those who are far from God, 
I pray that we'll have a new resolve to be more intentional to share the gospel with those that are in our lives. Let's begin looking at the characteristics of the righteous. Now there's a summary word that encapsulates what it looks like to be among the righteous. And the summary word is joyous. We have joy. Now I say this and that comes from the first word of the poem, blessed, which means happiness or more literally the happiness of. So this word here, blessed, is referring to experiencing the favor of God. And so those who are of the righteous are those who have tasted of the grace of God. We have a deep joy within our souls because we have been forgiven by God. Because we serve our God and we have the presence of God. And this joy is not dependent on circumstances going our way. Even when things go very wrong. When we face great disappointment or great uncertainty or great pain, or loss, even when we might think it may seem as though all hope is lost, we are still blessed. We still have this deep, profound happiness, this joy in Christ. Why? How is it possible? Well, the psalm describes the characteristics of the righteous, and I'll give you three, just to keep it simple on New Year's Day. The characteristics of the righteous, number one, is we are satisfied in God. So the first characteristic of those that belong to God is we are satisfied in God. And that's the essence of this opening phrase, blessed is the man. It's the same meaning from another psalm, Psalm 16, verse 11, that says, you make known to me the path of life. And again, as we see in this psalm, it's describing the path. There's, there's two ways. So Psalm 16 says, you make known the path of life. It says, in your presence there is fullness of joy. And at your right hand there are pleasures forevermore. And so completely full, deep and wide is the love of God for his children. And so in his presence there is joy, there is this blessedness. So being satisfied in God is, being, is an overflow of joy and of contentment with God. This is real happiness that's based upon our redemption, being freed from slavery to sin that Jesus has given to us so we could never earn our salvation. We could never hope to deserve our salvation. And we have God's blessing, God's favor, his grace. And so when this psalm describes the righteous, those that have experienced God's grace, understand that we're not righteous on our own. We are righteous only because of who this psalm is pointing to, which is Jesus. We are righteous because he has imputed, he has transferred his righteousness to us and transferred our sin to him on the cross. And he who knew no sin became sin so that we could be the righteousness of God. And so we have righteousness that's, that's alien to us. It doesn't belong to us. It belongs to Christ, but he's given it to us. So we stand before God as 
righteous, and we are satisfied in God because of it. And God offers this blessedness, this happiness. But we have to understand that God cannot offer you happiness apart from giving you himself. You think, well, why? What do you mean God can't do something? Well, God can't make square circles. It doesn't exist. It's not possible. A circle, by definition, doesn't have size. It's not a square. God, by definition, he cannot give you happiness apart from giving you himself. It doesn't exist. It's not possible. The only way to have lasting joy is for him to give you the best, himself. And that's what he offers. And so are we honestly satisfied in God, satisfied with God as is being blessed? Are we satisfied with him? Or do we find ourselves wanting more where Christ is not enough? And we find ourselves desiring things to satisfy our soul beyond God and his presence and knowing his forgiveness. So the righteous are satisfied in God. Number two, the righteous are set apart for God. So satisfied in God, but then set apart for God. This is a very important verse. It says, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. If you look at that verse closely, there are three sets of three words. This is poetry. And this, is, this is beautiful, but it's revealing profound truth about who God is. So a closer look, you see, again, three sets of three words that reveals how we get entangled, how we get trapped by sin. And then it's contrasting and saying, those who belong to God don't do this. So this is the, the, the negative saying, this is what we don't do. And so the, the first set of three words, it says, counsel, way, and seat. So it says, blessed man who does not walk in the counsel or stand in the way of sinners, nor sit in the seat. So counsel, way, and seat. This is a progression of three words. So, so the first one there, counsel, refers to thoughts. <coughs> Excuse me. And so the word for counsel, it's more than just people you hang out with. Well, it is that. But it's how the people influence your thinking. So the word for counsel refers to thoughts. So this is the first step in how we get trapped and enslaved by sin. It all begins with your thoughts. We have a thought that comes to our mind. And this is a thought about enjoying a sin. We think about enjoying it. Or we'll think about holding on to that anger. We'll think about not forgiving. We'll think about doubting the goodness of our God and his perfect timing and wisdom. We'll, we'll begin to look at the fact that we've experienced pain. And oftentimes these thoughts are connected to the fact that we have experienced pain. And you're focusing on that pain and you want relief and, and comfort from that. And so you're thinking about finding comfort in something that this world has to offer rather than looking to God. And so it begins in the mind. So the battle to walk 
with Christ to follow God is a battle for the mind. That's where it all begins. So first here he says, counsel. But then the second word is progression is way. And so counsel the wicked, nor stand in the way. And so the word for way refers to what you do, refers to behavior, the way that you're living. So this is, this is not describing just walking. Well, it does. If you hold on for a second, there's, that's a second set of three. And so way refers to what you do. For you first think about it, you, you get the thought, the counsel, and then you act on it. So this is actually acting out on that thought, doing that sinful action, the angry outburst, the, the whatever it is. There's kids in the room who so I want to be sensitive in what I say. But I think as adults who I'm describing, acting out in a way that is not pleasing to God, our behavior that can be easily, that's, that's visible and can be seen. But then thirdly, it describes seat. So counsel, way, and then seat are all a progression. The seat, the word actually means dwelling, like where you live. And so literally, this is talking about letting sin like move in and live with you. And so then take up residence and where you live, now sin has taken over and it's, and it's a part of your lifestyle, how you live. And so we, we go into our autopilot and we do sinful things without even thinking about it anymore because you're way past the thinking. Now it's just part of the way you live. It's part of your lifestyle. And so you're seeing this progression of our thoughts lead to our behavior and that leads to our lifestyle, counsel, way. And see. But the second of these three words is walk, stand, and sit. It's interesting how he's moving together all of these thoughts. So there, there's a progression of someone who was following God, and then they slow down, so they're just now walking. So walking, but then they, they stand, so they stop. So someone's been running after God, and then they slow down, and they're just walking after him, and then they stop. And they're, they're standing and they're looking. And then lastly, they're sitting. No longer running after God. You've slowed down. You stopped to look. And now you're just sitting down, living with that sin and no longer following God. And so picture someone who has an appointment to get to, say to go meet someone important, to go commune with. But along the way, they get distracted. And they just start looking. And then you stop, so you just stand. And then, then you sit, and now you've missed the appointment. You're not even going there anymore because you've stopped. So you go from walking to just standing to look to sit. And we can all do this with sin. It's, sin gets our attention. And so we're no longer running after God. And now we're just standing around looking at it, considering should we, should we be a part of that, to then just finally saying, nope, I'm going to just sit here and enjoy this sin. And then in the progression, the third one is wicked sinners, scoffers. And so this is a progression in the end of a scoffer. So when there's mocking, mocking God, living in a way outright of rebellion with their lifestyle, with no regard for a holy God that holds us accountable. So this is just laughing and mocking at God. And so blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. 
moves from our thoughts to behavior to our lifestyle where we are no longer following God. And so we are called to live set apart for God to live differently from Him. And one of the biggest factors is who you spend time with. Huge. I'll say two, what you read and who you spend time with. I teach my children, if you want two biggest factors of what's going to impact who you become, it's what you read and who you spend time with. It should be reading God's word for one, but even beyond that, other helpful books that will feed your mind and the word to feed your soul, what we read and who you spend time with, who your friends are, will dictate to a large degree who you will become. What can happen is we can get so used to a lifestyle of of not walking with Jesus that we can't even see clearly enough. We don't even notice the difference between righteousness and wickedness. It can be so subtle, but we're called to be set apart and different. But thirdly, characteristic of those that are following God, those that are the righteous, is saturated with the word of God. And so satisfied in God, set apart for God, and saturated with the word of God. For kids in the room, to saturate means to soak, where all the water that I can possibly take in has been taken in and is completely full. Just like this week, crazy thing happened. It rained. Like in Abu Dhabi, it was crazy. And my children were running outside and getting soaked. And so when you're completely full and soaked, you are saturated. So we're called to be saturated with the word of God. You see it in Psalm 1, verse 2 and 3. It says, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He's like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. To disciples of Jesus, delight, it says, in the word of God. It says that we meditate on it. Or meditate means focus thinking. And we all do this. I mean, this is not a question of will you meditate. We all meditate. We all focus our thinking on something constantly. So I would ask you to consider what do you meditate on? What, what consumes your thoughts? Whether it's finances, whether it's work whether it's a a person, I don't know. It it can be anything that we can have our thoughts just completely focused on, that we're meditating on, that we're rehearsing in our minds. But we all do it. But the question isn't will we, but what? And so we're called here to meditate on the word of God. And I'm, I'm convinced that one of the biggest reasons why We see believers that don't experience great transformation in their lives because they're missing meditation. And so we've heard about read your Bible and we've heard about prayer. But a lot of times, maybe it's not just me, but sometimes those who feel quite disconnected. Like like you might go to your Bible and you read a few verses and and then you close your Bible and then you want to go pray. And it feels kind of dry and it feels like, man, I'm just not feeling it. Ever, Ever felt that way? No? Just me? Liars. Happens all the time. It can happen to any of us where, where you're honestly wanting to experience the presence of God and, and pray to him, but if you feel like it's just disconnected or it's just not working. And I'm convinced the reason is that we don't meditate enough. 
Meditation is focused thinking, and meditation really is the bridge between reading the Bible and prayer. It connects them. So if you fail to meditate, you're, you're not going on the bridge, and so you're not able to have them connect that as a whole. And so the way this design is, you read it. But don't read it once, quickly. Read it slow. And then read it again. And then read it again. Maybe even read it again. Or again. Or again. And again. Slow. And then read it again. And let, let the word sink in. And before you pray, you meditate. You focus your thinking on it. You think about what you're reading slowly. And you apply it to yourself. And as you're thinking about it and you're, 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 you're beginning to, to sense that now there is something more in this text. And, and you feel God's spirit at work in you. This focusing your thinking on what you've read slowly, letting it sink in meditating on it becomes the bridge that leads you into your prayer time. And so oftentimes this disconnect is because we fail to focus our thinking to meditate on it like it says here in the word. His delight is the law of the Lord on the word. Meditates day and night. Focus our thinking. And if you want to be a tree, Planted by streams of water yielding fruit in its season, we must meditate. If you want to bear good fruit, we must do this. If you think that you can get the Bible and just read it very quickly and then bear good fruit, it's not going to happen. If you think that you can go to your, I don't know, daily biscuit, you know, the daily bread, but a very small, just quick, you know, like if you have a salad and then you have little croutons. For some of you, it's, it's my daily crouton. And it's not enough. It's not nourishing your soul. We need focused time to read the word, meditate on it. And that leads us into our, our prayer time. And then we'll be a tree that's planted and it yields fruit. We must have our souls refreshed and restored by the living water himself. And so as this new year begins, will you, will you commit to this? Will you commit to having a time? Aim for daily. If you miss a day, that's okay. God doesn't hate you. He still loves you. He wants to experience his presence. And so pick it up the next day. You miss two days in a row. Okay, pick it up the next day. This is not a legalistic thing. It's not about, oh, check the box. This is about experiencing God's presence. This is about being in the position where you can, like it says here, be a tree planted, yielding fruit. Remember, the overall summary here for the characteristics is joy. Those who follow Christ are joyous people. And we, we get our joy when we're experiencing God's presence. This happens as we're describing, reading the word, meditating on it, and then having time in prayer. And then you'll sense the presence throughout the day. It'll be on your mind throughout the day. And you can be in conversation throughout the day of talking to Christ throughout the day. Not just at your, your quiet time, but throughout your whole day. Experiencing the joy that comes with that. And so that's the characteristics of those that are following God. Let's briefly 
to the characteristics of those that are the wicked, that don't follow God. will be much quicker. The summary word is dead. Death. You see it in the poem. The first word is what? Blessed. What is the last word in the poem? Perish. Bookends. He's revealing the beginning of who the righteous are. Their life is marked by blessedness, by joy in God. And those that are far from him are marked by death. And so this is serving as bookends to reveal who God is and who we are in relation to him. And so the first characteristic of those that are far from God is fruitless for God. You see that in verse 4, the wicked are not so, but they're like chaff that the wind drives away. And so the ones that are righteous, that are hungry for God and hungry for his righteousness, they're firm, they're stable. No matter what life brings, we're stable and we're bearing good fruit. But those who don't know God, it says that they're blown away. They're not stable. And they're just chaff. It's not fruit. It's fruitless. But remember, why does a tree bear fruit? It's not for itself. The tree doesn't eat its own fruit. It produces fruit to benefit others. And so a tree produces fruit naturally so that others can then eat of that fruit. Those that are wicked who don't love God don't want to bless other people. And so a characteristic people of God is that we want to bear fruit. We want to honor God and we want to bless others and serve others. That's what the Spirit does in us. But those that are far from God don't want to. They're self-centered and don't want to bear fruit for others. They just want to please themselves. So this is a hallmark. People that are far from God serve themselves and don't bear fruit. Number two, they're found guilty. So they're fruitless for God, but two, they're found guilty by God. See in verse 5, therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment says that they won't stand. They're going to be convicted. They're going to be found guilty by God the judge one day. All of those that have not repented of their sin and trust in the finished work of Christ on the cross will one day stand before a judge and he will declare them to be guilty. And it's on us to tell them. They need to know that there's a holy God that will hold them accountable. And they're going to be found guilty. And we can tell them that forgiveness is available, a pardon is available, because Jesus already endured our punishment, our guilt, our shame on the cross. So those that are wicked are found guilty by God. But number three, they're far from God. The wicked are very far from God. It says they're not members, it says of the congregation of the righteous. And so those that are wicked, they don't belong to the people of God. They don't belong to those who are forgiven because what is a church? The church is a people of God, those that have been forgiven, who've tasted of his mercy, who have his presence. His spirit lives in us and he dwells here with us. And so God is close to his people. We can draw near to him. But those that are wicked are far from him. They're not part of his people. They don't have his spirit. They can't draw near to God. Because they're under a sinful state. They haven't been regenerated and don't have the spirit. They're, they're not being sanctified. We must open our eyes and we must ask God to help us 
to see those around us that are guilty before God and that are far from Him. May our hearts break for those around us that don't know Him. We can get so busy, and I'm just as guilty as anyone else is, that we don't even notice. We must open our eyes and be intentional because they truly are far from God. And we see here, we read earlier Matthew chapter 7, where Jesus is talking about this very same truth. He says that there are, there are two gates. There's a narrow, and then there's a wide gate. There's only two ways to live, only two types of people. He says those that bear good fruit and those that do not. And there are people that are religious and will stand before God one day and say, look, I did all these good things. And he will say, I never knew you. Yes, you had the religion down. Sure. But I don't know you. No relationship. And the point of salvation is not religion. It's about knowing God. It's about having a relationship with God through the Son, Jesus. And so may all of us on that day stand and be entered into his kingdom rather than be like those that say, no, you had the religion, but you, you don't know me. And the summer again, verse 6, says, the Lord knows the way of the righteous but the way of the wicked will perish. And maybe today, quite honestly, you're pretending. Maybe if you're honest with yourself, you, you would say that you're among the righteous, that you belong to God. No, 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 I'm not wicked, pastor. No, that's not me. I'm a good person. I'm a religious person. I even go to church Christmas and Easter and even New Year's Day. I'm a pretty good person. But deep down inside, you know that you're pretending. You know that you don't know Jesus. And you've never actually trusted with all your heart in him to save you. And I pray that maybe today God has through his word in Psalm 1 revealed to you that you are among the wicked and that you really have been pretending. And today you can repent of your sins and trust in Jesus and he will save you. And then you'll be among the righteous who don't deserve it, but by God's grace are accounted among the righteous. Will you respond to him today? And if you desire to, please come speak to me today. For those of that are believers, will we commit this new year to intentionally, as we saw earlier in the first three verses, be satisfied in God, be set apart for God, and be saturated with the word of God. May we be hungry for Jesus and for his kingdom and for his presence for his righteousness this year. Will you pray with me? Our Holy Father, we so want to be set apart for you. We want to be satisfied in you. We truly do. I pray that you would help us. Help us to be so consumed by you that we open our eyes and we see those around us that are so desperate for you. Help us to be the missionaries you've called us to be right here in Abu Dhabi. Thank you for this new year. Help us to glorify you with every day. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen.